This episode of Policing Matters is sponsored by Kenwood. We are committed to providing modern turnkey critical communication solutions for today and the future. Well, welcome back to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for clicking on us. Well, to get the COVID vaccine or not to get the COVID vaccine, that is the question. Well, my editor at Police One, Nancy Perry, wrote recently, in December 2020, Police One asked law enforcement officers to weigh in on COVID-19 vaccination mandates ethical obligations, and whether they will be vaccinated. Well, more than 3,300 officers responded to the survey with 38% saying yes to vaccination. Well, readers were also invited to submit their questions about the COVID vaccine. Of those taking the survey, that left 60% saying no, or maybe, to getting the vaccine. Well, I've heard anecdotally the reasons why some object from concerns of rumors concerning DNA impact, and even one writer telling me that the vaccine was outright poison in her words. Well, today uh, we're gonna dispel and, and myth bust some of those rumors. Today I'm speaking with Dr. John M. Williams. He's an MD and MPH. He's a physician with a master's of public health degree board certified in both occupational medicine and ophthalmology. He's also a retired Navy medical officer, combat veteran, and former Marine Corps Medical Battalion commander. For the past 10 years, he's been a reserve deputy in Southern Colorado, and he's also served as an academy instructor. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, Dr. Williams. Well, thank you, Jim, and, and I really appreciate the opportunity to reach out to my brothers and sisters in blue and try to get some facts out there because, as we both know, there, there's been a lot of misinformation spread on social media and even in the, in the newspapers and in the press, and I just want to tell folks that, uh, you know, I got no agenda here. Uh, I'm just trying to get you some facts, and, and uh, my agenda is try to keep people healthy and stay alive. Well, that's great. That's terrific. Why the resistance from law enforcement officers and others? You, you heard in my introduction, nearly 60% are saying they're on the fence where they're not going to take it at all. What are the common misunderstandings about the vaccine? That's a great question, Jim. And, and I've, uh, you know, when I've been on patrol or sitting in the briefing room, uh, tried to ask, uh, you know, fellow deputies about this, you know, you know, have you gotten the vaccine? And then I get this sheepish look, well, I'm thinking about it. And uh, well, what can I do to, uh, to help you make a decision? And, and I think that uh, a lot of people are worried that it is, uh, it's something that came on the scene quickly. Uh, granted, that's true. Uh, they're not really sure if it's been adequately tested. And they're worried that it may have some long-term side effects that we just don't know about. And I'd agree, you know, this came on the scene quickly. You know, what were, you, what were we all doing about a year ago? We were just hearing about this in the news and we didn't know how, how bad it would be or how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of people would, would die or millions. Uh, and the, the development of the vaccine was very quick, but fortunately the FDA did have significant oversight over the clinical trials. 
So I've been following this ever since, you know, I heard of the first COVID uh, case. And I certainly would not uh, get a vaccine or recommend it to my family members if I didn't think it was safe and, and effective. And I've had the vaccine. I'm still here talking to you today. I didn't have any serious side effects. I've got two daughters. One is a physician. She's had the vaccine. A daughter-in-law who's a physician who was pregnant when she had the vaccine. And another daughter who's getting ready to graduate from medical school. She's had it as well. They're all doing fine. And uh, I think after you get the vaccine, you have a level of comfort that you're protected against this virus that you don't otherwise. And in fact, the CDC just today said that uh, if you've had the vaccine and you're in a group of other people who've had the vaccine, you don't need to wear a mask anymore, which I think is, is a huge uh, new development here. Yeah, well, in full disclosure, I've had one of my two shots of Pfizer. Uh, my family's had the shots. And um, yeah, I mean, how many people so far do you think have uh, been vaccinated? Well, that's, that's a good question. I thought you would ask that. Uh, but as of today, 60 million Americans, that's six zero million Americans have had at least one COVID vaccination. So that, you know, that's a huge number. And the estimated number of eligible people, uh, we're talking about people ages 16 and up, because that's who it's, you know, it's authorized for, is 257, or excuse me, 267 million. So we're well on our way to getting there. And I would like to congratulate the former presidential administration and the current presidential administration for uh, developing the vaccine and then getting it deployed. So I, I've got nothing but kudos for, for uh, Presidents Trump and Biden both, because uh, I, I think this is something that uh, is, uh, we'll look back on this five or 10 years later and go, oh my God, how did we do this? Yeah, and the rollout's been interesting in, in my neck of the woods in California. Uh, a lot of the law enforcement officers were in that sort of uh, second phase um, when they were uh, starting to vaccinate a lot of those first line um, medical people and, and some others. What, if you're going to convince or at least give really good education to a, an officer on why they should get the shot, what would you tell them? Well, I, I think the, the issue with COVID is it's, it's kind of random in how severely it affects someone. And, you know, if we think about the flu, uh, we all had the flu probably at some point in our lives. Typically, when each year we have the flu comes around and you read about uh, people dying and being hospitalized, typically it's the very elderly or people who are immunocompromised, that sort of thing. And you know, you just sort of accept, well, some people are going to die each year from the flu. Uh, but with COVID, uh, we're finding even young people uh, who, who contract it, in some cases, may get a very serious uh, case and, and may potentially die. In fact, a 41-year-old deputy from one of the, uh, the sheriff's offices I work with uh, got it and passed away. And we were, you know, we were all shocked uh, that, uh, oh my gosh, here's a young guy, his whole life ahead of him uh, passed away. And I think if, if, if your listeners go to, you know, the Officer Down Memorial page or the FOP page and read some of these stories about officers that we've lost in the line of duty, you're going to realize that uh, these are people just like you and I. 
and they happened to catch it and they, they had a bad case and they died from it. And we're, we just don't know medically why some people get a severe case and others don't. We think it has to do with a person's antibody response. Does their, does their, do their antibodies go out of control and cause a release of, of toxic substances that could injure your lungs or other body parts? So uh, one COVID infection, you, I guess the, the way I, I, I would probably uh, make an analogy would be think of if a person's playing Russian roulette and they, and they have a, a pistol and it's got a, a hundred chambers in it and you put a couple of bullets in there, you know, not many people are going to pull a, uh, you know, pull the trigger on a live round, but two people are. And, and that's kind of what we're dealing with. Um, so the random, randomness of it is kind of scary as to who's going to re really get sick and potentially die. Right. And I mean, you make a good point. So in America so far, we're counting at over a half a million deaths um, to date. And yet some of the things you just mentioned about the effects on your lungs and your cardiopulmonary system and things like that, that um, we're seeing some long lasting, long term, I think they're calling them long haulers where uh, people get COVID and then uh, months and months and months they have uh, uh, symptoms, uh, fatigue is is one that I've noticed. Um, and in my own family, uh, I had a family member uh, contract COVID and uh, the fatigue is is still lasted for, for several weeks. Exactly. And that's a scary thing because I, I also have acquaintances who are long haulers and they describe, you know, utter fatigue, you know, difficulty getting out of bed, not being able to do, go out and run or work out or or do the sort of things that we do on a regular basis, trouble taking care of your kids, just not having the energy. And, uh, you know, the, the potential of, of having some long-term side effects is there as well. You know, even if you don't pass away from it, which, you know, it's a small percentage of people who do, uh, there's a larger percentage of people who have what we call sequelae afterwards, like you describe, and we know that it can it can affect the blood. Uh, it can cause clotting disorders. It can cause inflammation in the heart. It can cause uh, inflammation and scarring in the lungs. It can affect the kidneys, the liver, many of the major organs. And uh, it's it's not something to fool around with. And and the fact that uh, you know you have people come to you and go, well, there might be some long term effects of the vaccine. And I'll go, well, I can tell you some long term effects of COVID. And I can tell you how many people who've died from COVID and, uh, you know, how many people who've died from the vaccine. You know, certainly we see some anecdotal reports here and there. Of, I think there was a physician in Florida who passed away early on after the vaccine. They're not sure if it was due to taking the vaccine or not. But we've got, you know, if you look at the current statistics, you know, 1,200 to 1,500 Americans dying per day. That's every day. Uh, of this of this terrible virus, and so if I wasn't vaccinated right now, I'd be you know clamoring to get it. Mm. Yeah. So, how have variants complicated things? It's uh, in ongoing news uh, about new variants. Um, so now, how's that affect the whole rollout of the vaccine? Is the vaccine or the first iterations of the vaccine enough to to take on the variants? As far as we know, uh, the variants uh, that you refer to uh, from the UK, South Africa, and Brazil uh, have been found to be more infectious. That means if a person has COVID with one of these variants, it's easier to transmit it to another person. 
As far as causing more severe disease, I don't know that there's proof that any of the variants do that yet, but uh, you know, it's still kind of early on to, to, to know that. So what I think it, what it does, Jim, is it increases in my mind, the urgency to get vaccinated. Hmm. We, we've got a vaccine here. We've got a bunch of people who need it. And uh, I think right now what we need to do is uh, get into higher gear as far as being able to get this deployed. Uh, an interesting statistic is now that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has come out, uh, more and more vaccine is available each day. And uh, when you look at the number of vaccines that are actually out there sitting in freezers right now, uh, it's about 25 million. So in all the various 50 states and the U.S. territories, we've got vaccines sitting out there that we've got to give to people. But if we're giving it at only one and a half to two million doses per day, we're not going to catch up and, and get through that backlog. So I, I think the administration, the Biden administration is working on, uh, you know, getting FEMA involved and trying to, you know, work with private, the private sector, CVS, Walgreens to, uh, to get it out there. But I think they really got to get more creative about how we're going to get this vaccine deployed because I see this as kind of, I mean, we're at war with COVID basically, and, and we need to be fighting it 24 seven. And now we got this vaccine, it, it makes it even more urgent. Yeah. And the rollout was, um, was a little bit sketchy at first. And even now I think in California, we're running about 74% of uh, getting out the vaccine that we have, which means, I don't know what something's happening with that other 20 to 25%. But, yeah, um, I think it's a combination of things. It may be that we don't have the, the uh, supplies. I, I know there have been some shortages of syringes and needles in some areas. Mm. We may not have the, uh, the people to actually administer the vaccine, the trained nurses, uh, EMTs, uh, in, injectionists to, to be able to give it. And I think figuring out how do we reach people who, uh, you know, who are homebound, people who live in rural areas, people who, you know, they just can't get out. Uh, do we go to them or how do we figure that out? And so I think that's, that's, that's a challenge right now. And I know that the, the Biden administration, administration is working on that as are each of the individual state governors. But uh, yeah, some states are, uh, are, are progressing faster than others. Well, I'd like to talk about a couple of other issues uh, that are going on right now. But first, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor. At Kenwood, we make sure first responders have mission-critical radio systems that work, no matter what. When the mission is critical, no one has time for complexities or static or system failures. It has to work perfectly in the worst conditions. That's why Kenwood focuses on innovating, developing, and implementing the highest quality secure communication solutions to organizations whose mission is to protect and save lives. We ensure you will always have the lifeline you need when you need it. We make safe simple. Visit us online at www.efjohnson.com. And we are back with Dr. John M. Williams, a Southern Colorado physician, reserve deputy and academy instructor. And we're talking about the COVID vaccine and law enforcement. So what advice uh, do you have on police leadership? How can police leaders communicate the urgency 
to the troops and and encourage them to to get the vaccine? Well, I think getting the facts out there is most important. I think trying to order people, making them do something, making it mandatory, uh, you know, it's a difficult position to take because this is a, uh, a vaccine that is being given under an emergency use authorization. What that means is it didn't go through the long FDA approval process, yet the FDA feels that if they balance the risk of developing a COVID infection versus the risks of the vaccine, that uh, the, the benefits outweigh the risks. So I think getting the information out there. Uh, secondly, you know, making it convenient for, uh, for the, the officers and deputies and correctional officers to get out there and get it. You know, if it requires, you know, taking a day off, you know, let's, let's figure that out. Let's, let's make sure that that the, uh, the cops aren't sitting there thinking, oh, I got to go to court tomorrow and then I got my kids and then I've got my day off and I got to catch up on my reports. When am I going to squeeze it in? And knowing the fact that, uh, that some people do have side effects, some people, you know, it feels like they're coming down with a cold or the flu uh, and they may not feel like going to work the next day. Uh, I, fortunately, I, you know, I, it didn't affect me that way, but I have friends who had laid them out for a couple of days. Mm. So give them the latitude to get the vaccine, uh, you know, a liberal uh, day or two off if, if they need it afterwards. And then uh, I, I guess there's always the possibility of having some financial incentives. I, I'm seeing some areas where hospital systems are using that. And, you know, if a department, uh, if, it, if a $100 uh, gift certificate or $200 bonus or that sort of thing would, uh, would have someone uh, change their mind to have the vaccine, it might be money well spent because you think about if they, if they get it on duty and the workers' comp costs associated with covering that, uh, you're, you're way ahead with paying, uh, you know, paying an incentive. So I think they got to be creative. Sure. No, I think you make really good points, especially about giving them a dedicated day off uh, in case they incur symptoms. It's better than having them take the shot in the morning on duty and then feeling the after effects and having to to go off duty. And then well, here, here's another uh, thing that, that would be worthwhile, Jim, is uh, get some uh, department members who've actually had COVID, who were infected with it, and uh, let them be involved in a question and answer session along with a medical professional and that sort of thing. Because I, I, I had a deputy that I spoke to, oh, it was a couple months ago, and he'd gotten it. And he, he was probably one of the most fit deputies I've ever worked with. I mean, uh, follows a, a, a rigid diet, weightlifter, just in fantastic shape. And he, he told me, Doc, I can see how people are dying from this because this kicked my butt. Hmm. And uh, I think when you hear how sick you can actually get from it, uh, nobody wants to be sick like that. And nobody wants to take a chance on, you know, having to go to the hospital or having long hauler syndrome or even potentially dying. You know, why take the chance if there's a vaccine out there that as far as we know is safe and effective. Yeah, I mean, some agencies are using a little bit more passive um, degrees to try to get their, uh, to encourage their personnel. I know some chiefs are taking to social media, sitting in a chair and taking the shot. So um, that may go some way. Let me ask you this. We're seeing some states opening up, uh, no mask requirements and, um, we're going to have to send law enforcement officers into these areas. And I, 
personally, I don't um, agree in uh, sending officers in for um, mask enforcement. Uh, but in some states, they're going to do away with the mask or requirement altogether. What, what's your take on that? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I follow what's going on in Texas pretty closely because I, you know, I, I grew up there, went to school there. And, and uh, so I have a lot of friends and family still there. And my concern is that we've, we've kind of done this before where we opened up too early. And, you know, you remember the, the Florida example and, and, and I think things that happened in, in some of the other states. And then we had another surge and then we closed up and then we opened and closed and that sort of thing. So I guess I would prefer to, uh, to, to not see people being told, oh, you don't need to wear masks anymore. But then again, uh, is it law enforcement's role to go out and uh, enforce people uh, you know, wearing masks or, or that sort of thing? I, I think cops are busy enough without having to get involved in that. And I, and I think the local public health uh, agencies need to step up and, and say, look, you know, this is kind of like, uh, you know, uh, enforcement of uh, cleanliness in restaurants and other public facilities and, you know, figure out some way to uh, approach the public. I, that's the thing I see missing is the, you know, in social media, uh, the, the anti-vax people have, have certainly... Uh, done a pretty good job as far as information operations. And what I'd like to see would be, and I appreciate you doing this podcast because I think that helps get the word out there, but let's see people uh, like uh, sports uh, professionals and, and actors and actresses saying, look, I took it, I'm fine, why don't you take it? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think uh, influential people like that have a lot of pull with uh, people who admire them and I just have not seen that in social media. I've just seen, you know, the anti stuff. I, I, I want to see more pro stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and in the vein of what you're saying, no pun intended, but uh, uh, I just saw that the Dalai Lama himself, the, the high holy Dalai Lama just got the shot and that's on social media. So I see what you're saying. I, I agree. And, and, you know, if, if you follow the Dalai Lama, he's one of the smartest people out there. And, and I, he's not going to just take a vaccine if he thinks that there is a, a risk to it. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, it seems that bad news and sensationalistic things always get more airing or more mm -hmm. press than, uh, than the facts. And, and you're always playing catch up if you if that stuff gets out first. Uh, so, uh, I would just encourage people. I mean, look at the fact that if this was going to, if this vaccine was bad and was going to cause serious issues, we got 60 million people, Americans out there who've had it and they seem to be doing pretty well. Right. Uh, so, and for me, when I took that, when I got that first shot, it was like a weight was lifted from my shoulders because I felt like, thank goodness, now I've got some protection against this virus. And I can start to, uh, you know, think about what, what normal life is going to be like again. And I've had a lot of people tell me the same thing. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I felt the same way after my first shot. But I'll tell you this, I still follow all the pro protocols, masking up, six feet, washing my hands, all of that. And I will even after the second shot. Yeah, I think it's reasonable. And, and you know, it's kind of a dividend to this, Jim, is we, we really didn't have any uh, uh, a lot of flu cases this year. And, uh, and the scientists are scratching their heads and going, why didn't we have a, a flu outbreak? Well, P 
people were wearing masks, socially distancing, and, and a, you know, a less virulent, less contagious virus, we kind of shut it down. So uh, if you've ever traveled, traveled internationally, you go through, you know, the, the airport in, in, in Tokyo, Narita, or, or some of the uh, airports in the, in the Far East, you know, people wear masks on a regular basis. That's just what they do. And, and so I think that they probably know something that uh, we didn't and maybe we need to think about masks in public places not just for covid but for other other viruses and things sure why not well i'm going to ask you to pull out the crystal ball take a look and i'm going to ask you what do you see in unfurling over the next six months say well here's what i hope uh, jim is that we develop a sense of urgency that you know, a thousand plus Americans dying per day is no longer acceptable. I mean, we think about Pearl Harbor, we think about 9-11 and how horrific that was to lose, you know, two to 3,000 plus people in a single incident. Yet we, we sort of gotten, we, we sort of just gotten used to losing that many people per day. And I, I don't think that's acceptable. So what I'd like to say to uh, if anybody is out there listening is let's kind of put aside our differences for now uh, and some of the less uh, pressing matters and say, look, job one is getting all those vaccines in people's arms. Job, job one is not having a single dose of vaccine sitting in a freezer for more than a few days. And let's run uh, clinics 24-7 until... We, we get everybody immunized that we can. And uh, there's no reason right now that if you, uh, as a police officer or deputy or correctional officer, if you've been offered a COVID vaccine and you're not taking it, uh, that's on you. And, and there's no reason if that's available to police officers that any more cops need to die. And, and a statistic that, that I just looked up when I, when I did a, an article for Police One back on December 28th, uh, the Fraternal Order Police, which tracks uh, line of duty deaths, uh, published a figure of 319 had died of COVID up to that point. That's December 28th. Looking at it yesterday, it's up to 443. Now, if you look at the officer down memorial page, it's, the numbers are a little less, and I think they research the numbers differently. But let's, let's accept... 443. So that's, you know, that's 100 and that's 124 more deaths since the vaccine came out. Now, granted, not all, like you said, in California, not all officers had it available to them, but nobody should be dying if they've got this vaccine available to them. Within two weeks of getting your first dose, you've got some immunity. Hmm. And even if you get COVID, it's not going to be as bad uh, as, as it would be if you weren't immunized. So I, I really don't want to see any more numbers uh, of COVID deaths on these, uh, these FOP statistics. I, I would hope that we, we could stem that tide. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a great goal to have. So, so doctor, how can our listeners hear about what you're writing, uh, find out more? We'll post some links on our show notes, but uh, how else can they find out about uh, emerging news on the topic? Well, I think that the CDC, if you can wade through their webpage, you know, they've got a lot of good information. Sometimes it takes a little drilling down to, to look for it. But, uh, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post 
both have free access pages that deal with COVID numbers, the vaccine numbers and that sort of thing. So, so that's a good resource. Uh, I, I think going on Facebook, you know, Facebook's a wild west, you know, you can read <laughs> something that's, that's completely true, or you could watch something that's, uh, that's, you know, it's so false, it's, it's laughable. And don't get your information from somebody wearing a white coat who, uh, you know, they don't tell you what their name is or what they're training or, or where they're from. Uh, because I, I get all these, these videos forwarded to me by, from my, by my friends and they go, well, this looks realistic. This is, this doctor's knows what she's talking about or what he's talking about. And, and I'll look them up and I'll go, well, you know, they're, they're no, they, it's totally false what they're telling you. And, uh, uh, so, so I think there's, uh, I think CDC is pretty solid information. And I think what you see in the New York times, the Washington post is, is pretty solid as well. And, and I know I, I skipped over your last question, the crystal ball thing. I'm hoping that if we get our act together on getting this, uh, this uh, vaccine uh, more widely deployed, that by next fall, we're gonna be in a much better place where it's gonna be kind of, it's not gonna be 100% normal, but we're gonna be closer to where, you know, to normal than we ever have been. Oh, that's, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm waiting to, to see more articles from you and uh, I look forward to that. Thank you so much, doctor, for sharing your experience and your knowledge on the topic. I hope we can convert some people out there, at least arm some more people with the knowledge uh, and uh, make them safe. We got it. Why not use it? Excellent. Thanks again, Jim. Hey, thank you for your service in the military and with the sheriff's department. And thanks for being on the forefront of this issue and getting the word out. I appreciate it. Well, well thank you, Jim. And, and I think, you know, the, what, uh, what sort of generated some of my interest in, in, in this police one uh, activity here was when I read Nancy Perry's article and I was just shocked. I thought, oh, 38%, I never would have guessed that it would be that low. And when I reached out to her, she said, are you interested in writing an op-ed? And I said, yeah, sure. And uh, I, I really give a lot of credit to people like Nancy and you, because you're getting the word out there. And there are people who will hear this, who will go, you know what? That guy sounds fairly reasonable. I think I'm going to get it. And I've had people come tell me that. So, you know, we're, we're kind of helping save lives here. So good on you. Oh, thank Anthony. you so much. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out. And you can get in touch with me or the Policing Matters team at policingmatters at policeone.com. That's police1one. Drop us a note, share your ideas, suggestions, feedback, or just say hello. Uh, I look forward to reading some of your comments on our mailbag. And um, thanks for listening. Stay safe and see you soon. <laughs>